This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not the views and opinions of anyone. It's just a podcast, dude. This will be our last time really getting into it. I would, I would personally like to start with the topic of all the people that Vince McMahon has killed or has had killed. It's zero. I looked into it. I really, I can't find anything at all. Um, that's my topic. Adon? Um, okay, but to go into that, maybe Vince has not directly killed people, but he has likely worked to, to help cover for them. I mean, Jimmy Snuka comes to mind. Um, Sid Vicious stabbed Arn Anderson like 26 times, mm. and Sid Vicious is still walking around a free man. I, and Wait, then, uh, Sid Vicious from wrestling? Yes, Psycho okay. Sid. Okay, so not Sid Vicious from, what was it, the Flaming Lips? No, different. Okay. This guy, curly blonde hair, real, real. If he's listening to this, a real beautiful face. But if he's not listening to this, a real ugly, like <laughs> gnarled, scrug, scrug of a face. Gigantic man, huge, muscular. Definitely had that seventies and eighties look. But he, and I want to say it was twenty six times, stabbed Arn Anderson multiple times. He got on top of him and hammer fisted down with a knife. Wow. How long was the knife? I don't know. Obviously not enough to kill him. But I mean, you know it. At that point, it's semantics. You know, how long was the knife? Long enough. I was being stabbed. What does it matter? I mean, honestly, unless you're stabbing someone who's like super, super beefy, uh, a pocket knife is a long enough knife to do damage. If it, I mean, if it was a steak knife, um, you're still going in far. I mean, you're still doing some damage. So one of the things that kind of I was looking up today was conspiracies about Vince McMahon because I was looking I was reading up on him I was trying to bone up and get ready and one of the most interesting things that kind of popped up was one of the conspiracies was that Vince McMahon basically started NWO in WCW he released these guys let them go he said go to the company right and bring it down from the ground up now a lot of people said this doesn't track it doesn't work because they actually made the company incredibly popular And they did. WCW was winning for the longest time. But the best cons are the long cons and the ones that are convincing. And speaking of long cons, Sid Vicious was part of the Sex Pistols, not the Flaming Lips. I just want to throw that out there so that people can start looking for that. Sex Pistols, all right. But so it a lot of people debunked it, said it doesn't make sense. And then I thought of the finger poke of doom. Do you guys know of the finger poke of doom? No, I haven't heard of I that. I have never heard of the finger poke of doom. It was... Is that an elementary school? <laughs> <laughs> it was a wrestling match between Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan for the world heavyweight title. Kevin Nash was champion. I think he had just beaten Goldberg, who was undefeated for like, quote unquote, 700 days. Something insane. And... It was him and Hulk Hogan. They stare each other down. They're currently both part of a, they're part of a clique. They're part of the NWO, right? And they look at each other, and they size each other up. And Hulk Hogan takes his finger, pokes Kevin Nash on the chest. Kevin Nash takes a big bump. One, two, three. Title just changed hands. Hmm. And then I can see it. Hulk Hogan goes in the mic and says, "It's shit like this is the reason." Don't quote me on this, but is the reason WCW is going in the toilet. And when you put it with a conspiracy, it makes sense. You play the long con. These guys get to make money. Hulk Hogan makes money. Kevin Nash. Scott Hall makes money. They bring this company up. They have creative control. They do whatever they want. And they did. 
but and wasn't the main writer for WCW also the main writer for the WWE? If you're talking about Vince Russo, I want to say Russo, 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 yes, Russo, yeah, yeah, Russo, Russo, one of Russo, those. Yeah. One, if he's listening, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but I can take him. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yes. He he did write for WWF, and I think he did write for WCW. He was a part of WCW, and at which point he had David Arquette, a B or C list star, become champion, right. made himself champion. You know, so it's when someone said the NWO was a conspiracy, it's kind of plausible when you look at it like that. And to be fair, David Arquette did have a movie coming out where he was a wrestler, so that was crossover promotion. I mean, it's not a dumb move when you're Kellogg's. I don't think it was a smart move for Exactly. For you look at in the mid-2000s when the Jackass guys made it a special appearance on, you know, WWE Monday Night Raw, I think did it was, they? or something. They oh did. Gosh. It was Steve-O and... Chris Pontius. Chris Pontius. Pontius, yeah. Wild Boys. I can't remember if it was him or Dunn. I couldn't remember, but... Um, yeah, they went on there, and Steve-O got his ass kicked, mm-hmm. like, severely. That's what he does. And, exactly, and that's why they were on there, to promote their movie or show one of those. But those crossovers don't seem like they ever really worked. It seemed like it just kind of degraded the idea uh, of what I, was happening in the WCW. I think it worked for the Jackass guys, though, because I saw a video about Steve-O talking about it, his experience there, and he said, I was just laughing. Every time they throw me down, I'd laugh and laugh. And the wrestler that was Umaga. supposed to be kicking my ass did not appreciate me laughing <laughs> at him. So he just kept going, even though I am whispering to him, please stop, please stop. <laughs> in wrestling, if you go down and you're smiling, it's like, if I knock you down and you're smiling, you have a big smile on your face, and it's like, oh, did I not hurt you enough? Let me rectify that. It's disrespectful. Yeah. And I can see that. So essentially, Omaga knocked these guys down, and, and Chris, not Chris Pontius, um, Steve-O's doing what Steve-O does, and he's laughing. Omaga immediately gets upset with him, hits him a couple more times, and at one point just forearms him right in the face. And you see Steve-O's face kind of go, oh, and he makes his weird face because he, he's knocked out. And right. you know, I feel bad for Steve-O because I am a nervous laugher, and I'm a scared laugher, so I would be dead. <laughs> but also, I don't have too much sympathy for Steve-O because I have watched him for legal reasons because Mike Tyson can't punch anyone. <laughs> I have watched him ask Mike Tyson to hold his arm out while he runs full length and dives into Mike Tyson's fist so that he can say that his nose was broken well, that's by the Mike way Tyson. Well, to do it. <laughs> I mean, Either die by Mike Tyson full force or you go your own way. The man <laughs> has his shtick and I will give it to him every time. He's a genius at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes sense for him to want to do a crossover with the WCW. Or but, WWE is what Or the WWE. Yeah. But it also seems like that for the real fans of the WWE, that kind of brought the level of the WWE down. I mean, it elevated Jackass, but it brought the WWE it down. It seems kind of gimmicky notches. and corny. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's the thing. Pro wrestling seems to have always ridden the line of yes, it's all a gimmick, but it's not a corny gimmick. And then it kind of dived into that. And they brought Donald Trump out um, to a few episodes, you remember? Which we will, we're going to do a Donald Trump episode. Yeah. Uh, his whole arc is, uh, I'm sure, interesting. But then again, corny, corn, corn, you know. Very like, true. Oh, my gosh. When Why did, did it they really, do that? When did it really become corny? I'm going to say, like, 2005 and beyond. 
I mean, some people said that whenever Vince started taking over, that's when it became corny because he basically said wrestling is not real. Um, it's a performance. Don't treat me like a sports. Treat me like a performance and that he gets less regulation. It's kind of always had that, but at one point Vince did go like full on corny, like hokey mode. You had uh, a clown at one point. Mm -hmm. You had Erwin R. Scheister, the IRS. Wow. Yep. Okay. You had a plumber, Isaac Yankum, a dentist who was Kane, actually. Yeah. You had a lot of funky characters in like the 80s and up to well, like early not 90s. Not even just the characters of being canned corn, you know? It's like the dialogue that they would use in the filler parts of the show where they'd go backstage and he'd, you know, just be talking so stupid. And it's like, roll my eyes the whole entire time that Vince is sitting there talking, you know? It was pretty ridiculous. Well, I guess that was my question: was does the corniness was Vince just going through something at that time, or does the corniness go back to when he made a decision to become Mr. McMahon and take part in his own show? I think it was a conscious decision to get away from maybe the seriousness mm -hmm. of wrestling that it was before. You know, he started taking over and to kind of appeal more. I think this is around WrestleMania 3 when you really saw that kind of stuff. And, you know, you had Mr. T, you had Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan always wore yellow, very bright colors. Yeah, yellow and red. And then I think he, he kind of pushed this. But I think without this, you maybe wouldn't have had the Attitude Era where they went the opposite way. And they're right. like, we'll go and we'll be hyper-violent and we'll do really sketchy and adult content. And they had a bunch of off-the-wall storylines as well like this video i saw last week where vince thinks that linda mcmahon who is his wife is paralyzed or in a wheelchair she can't walk anymore and he's fighting his son shane for some reason i can't remember the whole gist of the episode of it but he gets shane you know on the ground and he's hitting him with a trash can over and over and over and he has linda sitting in a chair in the ring and then she gets up and just whack hits him right in the balls vince and don't you touch my baby you know that type of situation and okay he just looks at her oh my gosh she's walking you know and it was just super cream corn oh my <laughs> cream corn it was <laughs> not even canned corn it was cream not even elotes okay it that was that's horrible. I mean, that's really bad writing. I think the storyline thing for it was that Vince cheated on Linda, and she was so overcome with grief. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Real she, life? She was so overcome with grief that she went catatonic. Mm. I think that's what okay. the storyline was. Like, oh, and it was yeah, him beating her remember. son that brought her out of the catatonic state. I see. Yeah, because the whole time she's sitting in a wheelchair just watching her son get beat by her husband. And, okay, I'm just here. Okay. And then she steps up. <laughs> okay, you have a catatonic wife. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about the sensitivity of it. But how do they get the wheelchair into the ring? It's a ramp. Well, no, he... Like, into the ring oh, itself. The ring is wheelchair oh, accessible? Oh, I thought you meant to the ring. No, 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 no. In the video, she's in the wheelchair ringside on the oh, ground. Okay, okay. And then he, like, takes a folding chair and shoves it in there. I thought they just brought and her up and he... put her center stage so she could no. sit there catatonic What's while he so beat funny? her son. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Make sure she gets a good spot. Is he picks her up out of the wheelchair and then he rolls her onto the ring. So she is paralyzed or whatever, and she's rolling herself onto the ring. There was a period in the '90s where we just had no taste whatsoever. (laughs) I think this was mid 2000s. Oh my gosh, that's worse. That's that's more recent. I'm not even sure. We'll have to look that up. I mean, for me, it's it's the hubris. You know, well, how do I make my wife go get a catatonic? I'm just going to cheat on her. That's going to break her soul. She's going to go catatonic. That was the storyline reason. And... You know, it makes sense that all of that happened, like, someone needs to look this up for real. Like, when did that happen? I want to say it was, like, early, mid-2000s. Because in the year 2000, he had an interview with Playboy magazine. and We've mentioned it. We have. Yeah. They asked him about the, you know, indiscretions in his marriage and stuff, and he admitted to all of it, right? Like you both have said before. He admitted all of it and said, oh, yeah, it was great. The sex was good. You know, it was whatever. That makes sense if it happened after that interview that she's all like, oh, I'm getting into this storyline, and I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> Who am I looking up, fucker? You know? Who am I looking up? What? Who am I looking up? Um, While we look at that, uh, I did stumble upon a conspiracy theory that the Montreal screw job was all a setup to introduce... Mr. McMahon as a villainous character in the storyline. The whole thing was staged and it was all done in order to introduce him as a villain or do you think no or maybe it was staged and the only person who didn't know about it was Bret Hart? (sighs) No way. It was was Bret Hart. Owen Owen Hart died, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, if it was if it was all a work, it would be the single greatest work in the history of sports entertainment because there are pe- there are wrestlers who are convinced that it's a work. Kevin Nash can be like, no, brother, it was a work. Right. And his reasoning was that he knew Vince McMahon personally, and he never saw Vince McMahon sell anything. Are you guys familiar with the term sell? No. And, well, if it's the same thing as it is in acting, then it's basically giving a believable performance. Yes. You punch me, I sell. Oh my God! Please, no. Or I'm gonna do. Something that makes it look like it's act appropriate. Kevin Ash said that Vince, he's never seen Vince sell anything. Vince blew out both his quads and acted like nothing happened. And he said the moment when that night happened, Vince came to the back and was rubbing his cheek and was selling the shit out of the fact that Bret Hart punched him. And he was like, that's when I knew it was a work. There are people who are convinced that it's a work. And except for Bret Hart, Bret Hart says, if you think it's a work, it's stupid. But what if it was a work? What if it wasn't just a work on the audience? It was a work on Bret Hart as well. And he's the only one left out of the, out of the party. He's not in on the joke. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I mean, it did, it did introduce McMahon as a villain in his own story. That line. is a good theory. And it uh, paved the way a lot for, like you said, his character to get more evil, so to say. And it makes sense. Now, is it possible to get more evil uh, than Vince McMahon? Um, because some of the stuff that he has covered up is, I try not to define things as good and evil. I try to define them as creative and destructive, mm-hmm. but I would say that a lot of the stuff that he has covered up seems to definitely range in the, uh, more evil spectrum. There's a lot of destruction that he has caused. Yeah. Just from covering up murders, which the majority have been women, you know, the spouses of his talent. Well, and not to put too fine a point on it, but um, the result of murder is that someone dies. Mm -hmm. The result of certain other crimes uh, is the result that someone has to keep living with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were talking before about uh, one of the cover-ups that you stumbled across. Oh, which one? (laughs) 
Were you alluding to Jimmy Snuka, perchance? Yeah, so he's one of them, and he allegedly murdered his wife, pushed her down, and she died from brain bleeds or something like that, brain injuries. Mm -hmm. And Now, the coroner's report said that there was no other signs of a struggle, no other injuries. No, but there are witnesses that said that they saw him dragging her by her hair, wearing only a blanket out of their apartment in the hallway. Well, and there's, yeah. I I wanted to put the official report on the record so we could call it bullshit later. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, okay. Let me pause for a second. I want to see if the mic's picking that up. If you are enjoying this show, and would like it to keep existing, please support the Cram Network on Patreon.com. That's C-R-A-M-N. Check us out and find even more shows you'll like. Wait, you're telling me that Joe Rogan said something that was true and yet also kind of (laughs) asshole Never. (laughs) He... So he he had Ric Flair on the thing, and then another guy who's talking too much, I don't remember his name, but he had said that when he had heard about the allegations, the sexual abuse or the sexual allegations that came out against Vince, he, he goes, well, of course, look at that guy. He's jacked. Of course he's going to cheat. Something along the lines of that. Okay. And I was just like, dude, that, I get what you're saying. But I, I don't know. I guess I just found myself focusing on that. And I'm like, really? Like that's, and, it, and it, it runs into the CEO thing. Vince is the perfect CEO. He's the greatest example of a corporate CEO in wrestling. And in general, because of all the stuff that he's done to gain the money that he has. And, and all, all the stuff he's done to keep the money that he has. And how many seemingly free passes he gets nowadays. You know, nowadays, as I go online and I say the wrong thing. People will try to cancel me. People have tried to cancel Vince, and he's still here. Vince has more money than you. Okay, that's a fair point. But does that, that doesn't make it okay. It just seems that he has more staying power. And I think I like the idea of calling that out because, yeah, I say one thing, I'm get canceled. But the the assumption is that if I have enough money, I won't get canceled ever. Mm-hmm. People will try, but as long as I have enough money, I can control what happens on Google, what happens in the news. Well, look at yeah. certain people that are not in jail right now for things that they've done horribly, you know. Well, but at the same time, Sarah Silverman has a lot of money. She yeah. got canceled. Kevin Spacey has a lot of money. He got canceled. That Money doesn't save you from being canceled. How does Vince get through it? Mm, that is a good point to bring up Kevin Spacey and Sarah Silverman and yeah. the likes of those people, yeah. There's a lot of very wealthy people. I mean, but also look at Harvey Weinstein. Mm, that is Arguably true. the most powerful man in Hollywood. But he also had more powerful people coming against him. That is also true. That is a true. A lot of these women that have that have allegations against Vince are essentially mm, a bunch of nobodies. They were up-and-coming stars, a lot of them, like wrestling stars, but they never were really huge, like, say, you know, China or Trish Stratus. or You know, they weren't that level. Right. But they were still in the industry to get abused by him. Fair enough. I mean... They just didn't have a lot of clout, pretty much, to cancel him if you look at the storylines vince has always done something with beautiful women sable trish stratus mm-hmm. uh tori wilson stacy keebler he is he has made out or tried to kiss these women in storylines yes. many times and each to varying degrees like 
I think Stacy Keebler, you watch the the clip on YouTube, and she's like, oh, 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 her hands are up, and she's making the face, and you know, and then you have Sable, and Sable's supposed to be into it, and they're really going at it. Was that part of the storyline? It's, it's supposed to be part of the storyline, yes. In which case, those reactions are just scripted. Yes, and where am I going with A this? A lot of these people could be really good actors, though. Wrong podcast. I mean, look at the look at the actresses <laughs> that were married to Hugh Hefner. And he was in his, what, 80s or so? That's true. And you they know? were like 20, 30 at And most. now they're like actresses having their own reality shows and stuff today. Absolutely. They were great actresses that loved him. <laughs> or did they love his money? Everybody gets married for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at Linda McMahon and Vince. They're still together, and it's he's been with so many women. Even now, into his 70s, as Joe Rogan puts it, he's a stallion. And he's, he's been to a stallion too. He's like 77. Oh, my. I thought he was like a little bit younger than that. No, he's still got at least another decade. <laughs> now, we have touched on this in kind of a joking way uh, before, but have there been any men who have come forward about Vince McMahon saying, hey, I was the victim of unwanted sexual advances? None that I've read about. It's all just been women. Okay. Yeah, same here, mainly women. Uh, there are a lot of people who said Vince McMahon made him promises that he never kept. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. And then kicked him to the curb. But there's also been allegations against his top wrestlers from the early 90s that they were involved with volunteer ring boys. And his ring announcer, you know, he was accused. Now, who was that? His ring announcer. What was his name? Oh, my goodness. Pat Patterson? Uh, no, it was not Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson was uh, actually accused of sexual abuse against ring boys. He was one of them, yes. But Vince defended him because, you know, he was one of his big champions. That's and, his boy. Yeah, exactly. And he was apparently one of the big ideas that Patterson had was Royal Rumble. When it was Pat Patterson an announcer or was he a wrestler? He was a wrestler. He was okay. a former wrestler. And there was also a wrestler that was current that was also accused of sexual abuse against the ring boys. His name was Terry Garvin and that was in 92. Okay. So was Terry Garvin, do you know if he was wrestling at that point, or was he more of a backstage role? I think that Garvin was actually wrestling because from the research I had made on it, the former wrestler was Pat Patterson. He was a former wrestler, but he was still, you know, involved with the industry somehow. And his name was big in the industry. So Vince defended him and denied all accusations that were made against his big shiny stars. And also the ring announcer that I was trying to think of his name earlier, his name is Mel Phillips, and he was in charge of these ring boys who were volunteers, like I said. He molested countless numbers of them and promises of giving them free tickets to shows like WrestleMania and all these big events that these young boys in these small towns... Impressionable. They would love that. Absolutely. You know, so they're like, okay... I will follow you into this room if you get me into WrestleMania, you know. But they're coming out. They know it's wrong now. These 13, 14-year-old boys, okay, 
they don't have the brain capacity yet as an adult male. They're still going through puberty, half of them. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, they don't realize what's being happening, what's happening to them. The impressionable child is a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. They yeah. actually are impressionable at that point. Mm-hmm. And something like that will affect them for the rest of their life. Not just the immediate life, but it affects your mentality, how you approach things, how you look at stuff. It, it It's long-term effects when you're abused like that from a young age. And also several of these boys grew up to be men that actually have killed themselves because of what has happened to them in the early 90s from these gigantic stars. Unfortunately, suicide and wrestling is not a new or unheard of concept. A lot of these wrestlers don't don't make it to be very old. And you know what it makes me think of? It's old school family households where they'd be like, oh, that's Uncle Garvin. Don't talk to Uncle Garvin. Don't interact with Uncle Garvin. Don't let him touch you. Yeah. And you would never be told why Uncle Garvin was Mm -hmm. unapproachable, but they would just say, just don't talk to him because he was a a predator. He was a sexual abuser. He did something like that. And I I think a lot of wrestling is, it's, it's it's, big camp family secret. It's so tight knit and everyone Mm -hmm. to really make it in wrestling. You really have to be friends with everyone and know the right people and be able to be part of that locker room. And so it is essentially like a family. And Pat Patterson was Vince's right-hand man. He was he was invaluable to Vince. And I could see Vince going to bat for him and protecting him like that, and even you, though he did these terrible things. You know what's so ironic about this whole, you mentioning, you know, family kept secrets and Uncle Garvin, situations like that. Linda McMahon actually fired Mel Phillips, the ring announcer that was molesting all of these boys. She found out about it. She fired him in 88. Well, that's good. But then she rehired him several years later on the promises that... He would quit chasing little boys. Oh, wow. That's not so good. Wah, wah. Yeah, that's... Linda. Um, Way to go, Linda. Drop the ball. But, you know, Vince did the same thing with John Stossel. I was just going to say, well, Linda is very obviously good at getting men to uh, keep promises to her. Huh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. She, yeah. John Stossel? <laughs> It does make me think of John Stossel, the guy who slapped, not John Stossel, the guy who slapped John Stossel, because John Stossel was a reporter, right? Yes, John Stossel was the reporter with the mustache. Uh, Google guy, we're looking for the guy who slapped that mustache off of John Stossel. Slapped that mustache right off. But that guy had basically said, Vince goes, listen, we'll just pull you away for a little bit, we'll let the heat die down, then we'll bring you back. Just like you you guys had just mentioned about Linda McMahon and Mel Phillips. Mm-hmm. We'll let the heat die down and we'll bring you back after this. Well, and again, I that's mean... That's a huge allegation, though. I mean, oh. that's a huge, huge thing. Well, it was a huge thing for the Catholic Church as well. Yeah. But again, when there's that much money involved in it, you use the money you have to protect the money you're going to make. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it doesn't matter what corporation you're talking about. That's kind of one of the rules. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, what else could you expect Vince McMahon to do? It's a fair point because Linda did fire George Zaharian or Zahorian. He was the, the doctor who was applying steroids. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. So is it always Linda McMahon that fires people? I think Apparently. she's pulling the strings. <laughs> the more I'm looking into things about Vince, the more I'm seeing that she may be the puppet master and he is just the puppet. It's interesting that you bring that up because mm-hmm. we're going to talk in our next podcast about something um, 
the guy always gets the blame for something that is obviously came from the wife. Okay, that's a little bit of a dangerous subject. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. So, <laughs> so David Schultz is responsible for slapping the mustache. Thank off. you. David Schultz. David Schultz. Didn't he do peanuts? No, that's Charles Schultz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Snoopy talking about slapping the mustache off. <laughs> I know who David Schultz is. I know what he looks like. And now I'm trying to picture him, like, voicing Snoopy. And I just, I, <laughs> I just can't see it. the teacher it. in the background. Unless you're talking about grinding up the shells and smoking them, in which case I have known a couple people who do peanuts. <laughs> no. Supposedly it's a hallucinogen. I think it just makes you really sick. Well, well have that... you ever done the peanuts and Coke? Yes. Yeah, you did? I, I've done Peanuts and Dr. Pepper. Well, you said you lived in the South for a bit, so I didn't mm. know if you partook in that. Peanuts and Dr. Pepper, yeah. it kind of tastes like a Snickers bar. <laughs> kind of does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't like it, but I've tried it. How many people out there have actually done that, I wonder? Write in. Tell us. You yeah. can reach us at... What weird thing have you put your peanuts in? <laughs> <laughs> We might have to wait till the after dark. <laughs> Two smarks and a mark after dark for that one. Please, we don't want any pro wrestlers calling in. Just don't tell us. <laughs> Just from my brief ring experience in the industry, from my brief experience in the industry, there is a lot of that. Let's just go with adult content in the background. Really? If you go back all the way to the Greeks, wrestling had... Uh, Look, you've got two mostly naked guys rolling around on a mat together. Uh, the whole industry seems a little bit touchy-feely. You can only imagine the touchy-feely that goes on behind the scenes. That's true. I mean, Ric Flair's a good example. I've seen Ric Flair on TV grab a guy's junk. Now, granted, he, he puts it in a vice grip, but he's still got the guy's junk. And how tight is that vice grip? The whole thing is kind of a, a show. So, I mean, you're really just grabbing a guy's junk. And it's outside of the own possibility that, like, while Rick's grabbing the junk, he does a little of the finger flare and, like, you know, tilts a finger a little bit, try to get the other guy to laugh. Now or that's or the finger of doom. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't there, wasn't there the other guy who used to, like, do a flip up and fart in people's faces? Oh, or used to put his crotch right in someone's it was face. Rikishi. Rikishi. He would put his ass in their face. There you go. He'd Xbox have them in too. the corner of the ring, and then he'd like rev himself up and run towards them, and they're sitting there going, "Oh no!" You know, and freaking out and gagging and stuff. That's how you get pink eye. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. He said if he didn't Staff. like people. Staff. Staff. <laughs> The corner of the room is down. <laughs> Sepsis. It's a silent killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what else have we not talked about when it comes to Vince McMahon? Oh, goodness. He covers a lot of stuff up. He cheats on his wife. Um, there was a creepy video that I saw, and it wasn't overtly creepy until you realize that the woman in the video who is being displayed to such marvelous effect is in fact his daughter. You know the media, the video I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about, yes. Okay, apparently it was it was on the air for a little while, and then even, even back then they thought it was creepy, so they kind of pulled it. But his daughter, I mean, I'm not going to say that she's like Ivanka Trump. It's just seem, she seems to be overly sexualized by her father. Oh, of course. I mean, Stephanie was the boss's daughter, and so there was always a connotation there. I remember being a young and virile teenager and thinking about, God, if Stephanie McMahon did any sort of shoot, I would be all about it. Because she was she was a fox. She was, she was incredibly attractive. He knew he had a moneymaker in her face. Oh, yeah. 
You know, oh, like yeah. he sees he has a beautiful daughter. I'm gonna get her on TV. I'm gonna make a hundred thousand more dollars. Do you think it was anything more than that? Do you think there was any sort of creepiness level to their relationship? Off screen, probably not. Okay. I do think there was a power thing with that. In that, I think with all the stuff that Vince has done, kissing Trish Stratus, all these crazy storylines, all these things, they've always been under the guise of like, well, that's Vince McMahon, the character. Vince McMahon, right? The actual person is different. But we've we've already talked about how blurred that line is between his character and who he is. I mean, the man has done crazy stuff. He has made Trish Stratus bark like a dog. He said the N-word on camera. He he did something with Sabu. I think he, he said something... Oh, my gosh. He said something inappropriate with Sabu. Sabu is... Who's Sabu? <laughs> I don't know. You're can, the Google can we, guy. Can we look up Sabu and Who is see? Sabu? It's not Sabu Mafu. S-A-B-U. Sabu is one of the most hardcore extreme wrestlers of ECW. He was legendary and is legendary now, right? He Was ECW the one with the barbed wire and the yes. the nails in the boards and all of that jazz? The name sounds familiar, but I cannot picture. Extreme Championship Wrestling. While we're waiting, actually, uh, someone just commented saying that in 92, the allegations about Terry Garvin and former wrestler Pat Patterson and ring announcer Mel Phillips were brought up again and Vince was on a Phil Donahue interview okay. on actual TV and he let all three go after other wrestlers came out to news outlets saying they were putting advances on them that these three were putting advances wow. on other wrestlers and on the Donahue interview Vince denied any wrongdoing saying that they were just incompetent but he also just fired them flat he out he fired them all three flat out yep wow. and instead of saying yeah they were pretty bad doing what they did you know he just said they were incompetent and they were just were not a good fit anymore interesting mm-hmm because i mean Very yeah look if, if Thank i you for commenting that by the way if i pay to cover your ass <laughs> and then you get in trouble again i mean yeah i'm gonna fire you mm-hmm. but i think he probably could have earned a lot more points by simply saying hey man when we found out about this oh definitely but then again obviously when we found out about this no we covered it up and, and now we're firing It guys. was also it, in 1992. The world was a completely different place then with sexual allegations than it is now. Very true. With his whole, you know, allegations that are happening against him right now, which he has, as of 2022, four different women he has paid hush money to for 16 years. And he's paid them out a total of $12 million. That's pretty insane. Is, I mean... Are the allegations that he paid them? The allegations are that he... Uh, well, I mean, I guess the allegations... Uh, well, it is sexual abuse allegations, but... Uh, and that, and that it, he's been paying them for... Yeah, for the past 16 years, he's been paying these four different women hush money, but since then, two more women have come out with claims that are basically the same of what he's done. If you know anything abuse. about the cycle of abuse, I mean, it really does make sense. We talked in the first episode about how he was abused as a boy. Yeah. And abusers abuse and it just keeps on cycling so it, i mean it does make a lot of sense uh mm -hmm. we know he was a womanizer i Still mean that's is. just that's absolutely on record that's mm -hmm. part of who he is and part of who he's proud of being because uh, a lot of the allegations are about uh him having indecent exposure via phone it's like showing them pictures of himself like Whoa. unsolicited pictures and right. everything and grabbing these women cornering them in bathrooms there's a huge difference between a dick pic and an unsolicited dick pic. Mm -hmm. And I think you can you can probably agree with that. The unsolicited dick pic is really not cool. Mm. And you know No, I, you disagree? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're like, well, hold on a minute. And then that's when it, it all ends. No, <laughs> I mean, it's so I, I did read about one of these allegations and it was that Vince had the affair and then made him sign an NDA. And then this person could not come forward. But the, they told their friend after some time and their friend was like, oh, hell no. And then they went to different media outlets to report that. So if we're talking about the psycho abuse, Vince, and again, Vince is protecting himself because he's like, I had a moment of weakness, sign his NDA, and you get paid, you know, however many millions of dollars, and we don't ever talk about this again. Again, standard mm-hmm. corporate practice. As crappy and as horrible as it is, I agree with you, it is. Vince, in many ways, is the epitome of the corporate entity, of the corporate CEO. I mean, when you look at his storylines with uh, all the storylines that he's had, and then the person who he is, there is a lot of parallels that you see there. It's not that it's Vince McMahon are separate people. It's just that he turns his personality up to 11. I found Zabu. Terrence Michael Brunk. Do you know, does it say what nationality he is? He says he's retired American. It doesn't say that he has, it's not telling me country of origin. Oh, uh, here it is. No, he's born here in the United States. Staten Island, New York, okay. December 12, 1964. Staten Island. He's American as Americans get. Um, he's 58 right now. But he he does look a certain way. He looks Middle Eastern, and he wears, you know, the traditional turban, and he has that look about him. And I remember Vince McMahon going out and making a joke against him on TV, like as part of a skit, basically calling him out. Mm-hmm. And along with the other stuff he says, it's the company tells so many times that Vince McMahon is a character. The person you see on TV is a character. I don't believe that anymore. Maybe I'm getting work to such an extent that I, I believe it, but I, I believe that who Vince is on TV is not that far off from who he really is. Okay. Now, I don't, I don't mean this as an insult to Vince at all, knowing that through a systematic abuse from many, many different step-parents, possibly his mother, he may have been broken as a child. But also considering the fact that there are so many similarities between successful CEOs and sociopaths, do you think Vince McMahon is actually a sociopath? It's, it's I not, mean, what are the five signs? Does Vince meet any of those five criteria, whether it is him or it is Mr. McMahon? Can we can we get can we look I that have up? right here? Thank you. So, signs of a sociopath: lack of empathy for others, impulsive behavior. That okay? Lack of empathy for others. Everyone says that his dad cared about the people. Vince Jr. was just as good of a businessman. He just didn't care. Uh, impulsive behavior, attempting to control others with threats or aggression. So, a couple of days before the wedding of Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, he had a match with his daughter. And he Steph, had a match with his daughter? He had a televised pay-per-view match with his daughter. Okay. And Steph was upset. Well, Steph said she was indifferent because she's used to the abuse. <laughs> um, Triple H was upset. Linda was upset. Everyone was upset because it's a power thing. Right. Oh, you you better do what I want in this match. I'm going to give you a black eye for your wedding. That's a con- to me, that's a control for power. Well, I would also say... controlling his whole family. I mean, that match with Shane that we were talking about earlier, that's his son. I would also say that his propensity to cheat shows impulsive behavior. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. He's also using intelligence. Intelligence, charm, or charisma to manipulate others. I mean, you know, we we're talking he about John Stossel and David Schultz. Yeah. You know, Vince is a very proud for a guy, and he's told many people, we'll do this, just do this. I mean, I, I would say manipulation is part of the industry, especially when you're at that point. Absolutely. And he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. Well, of course. You know, ego. Yeah. There's also not learning from mistakes or punishment. I mean, you can see the repeated cheating. Lying. Got him kicked in the balls. Lying for personal gain. Well, yes, but I mean, that's, that's just every CEO. <laughs> I mean. that, yeah, that's the business. 
showing a tendency to physical violence in fights. He's in uh, the right industry. Again, oh, yeah. is is that you know what is he that may, him or is that industry? As Bart Simpson said it best, he may be a sociopath, but at least he's on a path. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are talking about the guy, you know, in our in our podcast. So like, it's, he's definitely like newsworthy, and yeah, we've said it before. Like Vince, as much as people hate him and as much destruction as he caused, he is still Vince McMahon. He still made the industry. He still made Stone Cold. He made these great products. He just... He's one of those characters that are going to be talked about well after he's gone. Look at this podcast, for example. This is the third episode on Vince McMahon. You know, there is a lot to unpack. There is a lot of history. There's a lot of controversy. Juicy controversy that, you know, are everyone is interested in, apparently. I You know, I, I think that's kind of a bigger thing with America as a whole because you know even now you get YouTube stars who do yeah. and say very controversial things and they're still popular. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Good I, press is bad press. Bad press is good press. Exactly. You know, I think there is some sort of fascination with those deplorable characters. Yeah. You know, I think I think there's a big fascination with people wanting to see how is it someone could be like that. How can you live your life behaving this way? and still be successful they're envious at some point yeah i so here's here's a question and this is kind of related to us but not do you think if vince mcmahon was not who he was would he still have the same level of success i don't believe so if he was not the evil character if he was not if he didn't lie and cheat and steal rest in peace to guerrero would he still be vince mcmahon would he still be as famous as he is now i believe having that sociopathic edge is what allowed him to take over every single territory in north america to begin with i mean yeah to be successful you have to have a sharp as edge demeanor you can't have empathy because it's business yeah exactly you have to be the toughest one in the fight you have to over Mm -hmm. you know do more damage than is you know i mean you just no i think i think who he is in the industry that he chose matched up perfectly perfect fit he would get made fun of look at hulk hogan he was soft and lovable and nice and then he as you said turned heel right yeah and went with nwo he fought like a real american and you know he fought for the rights of every man (laughs) (laughs) quote you on that (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm quoting a song on that his theme song actually and you know what? I guess to me, I want to believe the NWO conspiracy that it was designed to bring down WCW because it's Hulk Hogan. He is the American, the epitome of America. What does America do? A lot of underhanded shit. And what did Hulk Hogan do? He brought down a whole company so he could be riding and living high when it's McMahon. So you're saying that Hulk Hogan is just a metaphor for the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I... When I think about it, the finger poke of doom, the overarching control of creative, and then if they bring WCW down, because to tie this in, right before WCW was bought by Vince McMahon, in the Playboy article that we're mentioning again, yes, there was talks, do you think WCW would be bought, something along like that? He was like, I don't know, we'll see, maybe, maybe not. You know, it's too early to say. I then, earlier this morning, read an article about how ECW was in a bad way. Paul Heyman, if you don't know who Paul Heyman is, one of the best voices on the mic, period. Okay. The guy, he's not a wrestler, he's a manager. But anyone who gets managed by... He looks by, like the penguin. <laughs> You're beautiful, Paul. I don't care what she says about you. <laughs> what is the role of a manager in the whole show? To carry the belt. 
talk for guys who can't talk, like Brock Lesnar. Who, yeah. who, if you're a Paul Heyman guy, that is a big deal because you are represented by Paul Heyman. The man can turn anything around the mic. I mean, he, he has the gift of gap, 100%. Yes, he does. Is more than one top-tier guy represented by Paul Heyman at a time? Not at a time. That's okay. why if you're a Heyman person, Heyman typically guy, but also possibly girl, it is a big deal. Okay. Because Heyman is going to come out with you. He's going to talk you up. He's going to make you look amazing. Even if you don't have that ability to talk, Brock Lesnar is a perfect example. Gotcha. Brock Lesnar can't really talk, but Paul Heyman can talk <laughs> you. Paul Heyman can. Brock yeah. Lesnar is a caveman. <laughs> he is. He is. And the idea... And he could kill you. Caveman <laughs> and the Penguin. I would watch that show. Master yes. Blaster. You should. It's a better example. Master Blaster. <laughs> Make you think of Master Blaster. Yeah. You've got You've got got the guy Paul Heyman talking smack in the front and then behind him overshadowing him you have this big neolithic looking Brock Lesnar you're not going to do anything of course not Brock Lesnar's right behind him mm-hmm. right fair enough uh, do we want to kind of pick one more topic and head for a wrap up we didn't really talk about the fabulous moolah but oh yeah so you were talking earlier about the fabulous moolah before the show Yes, I was, actually. She was a women's world champion for 28 years under Vince's reign. She was champion for 28 years? That's what I read earlier. Wow. That's um, a long time to hold a title. She started training the new talent coming in, the new women talent. Okay. And supposedly she was abusing them. Not sexually, but she was, you know, physically, mentally abusing them. And they just, they didn't know any better because they're like, well, this is the industry. You know, this is is life. This is what we do. And kind of, isn't it? I mean, the industry does seem to be very abusive at its core. But I, yeah. there has to be a fine line yeah. in, a, in an industry I that think can it's be abusive. an extremely fine line mm-hmm. in the wrestling industry from mental and physical abuse to this is your proper training. Right. You know, yeah. a lot uh, of people probably, you know, really step over that line, I'm you sure. You can't accuse a sensei of abusing you if he kicks your ass in the sparring ring mm-hmm. because he's trying to teach you something. However, there are abusive senseis. Oh, yeah. For a lot of the older guys, at least in my time when I was when I was training, a lot of the older guys had the mindset that, well, I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to I'm going to try to break you. And if you break, you're not worthy of being in wrestling. Yeah. Right. You know? Stu Hart was a good example. Stu Hart trained Bret Hart, Owen Hart, a lot of famous people. And Stu Hart would famously be like, "Come here a second, Sonny," and then he would put you in the most painful hold. He could get you in and then make you cry, make you tap, make you scream. Okay. And Stu Hart was famous for down in his dungeon that, you know, come over here for a second. Oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Stu. It's, it's fine, you know. He, it's kind of, unfortunately, especially, it used to be really bad, but it's kind of part of the industry. You know, in the brief time that I was training, you know, I was put in holds and then they would try to make you break and they would try to oh, haze sure. you and do the stuff because if you, if you quit, you weren't worthy of being in the industry anyways. But also we know, sociologically speaking, in high school, uh, a group of guys will take another guy they don't like outside and beat the crap out of him. A group of girls will just take someone they don't like and shame her into an eating disorder or suicide. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it, it, so. So was Miss Moolah like? Was she the gatekeeper for all of women's? Re- I mean, was she psychologically? I guess psychological abuse is much more finely crafted from a woman, and it can come. Because they start practicing it when they're in, in middle school. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Um, I want to say that you, she was more mentally abusive to them and also financially abusive. Like, reports say that she would keep 50% of their earnings. 
So she was like a madam, basically. Yes, pretty much. And she would just turn these girls loose to the men talent, and they would abuse them, and they, you know, that's what the allegations are. Did they ever, did the WWE or any of the three-letter agencies have (laughs) um, man-on-woman fights? The women would be thrown in sometimes, like Lita, for example. She would get her ass kicked sometimes. I mean, is is that what you're talking about when you say release them to the men? No, like in the back room. Okay. Okay. And they Just would like, abuse them. I've taken you as far as you can go. Now he can take you farther. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Gotcha. And she would take, you know, 50% of the earnings. That's financial abuse. Yeah. And Vince would enable that. He knew all about it, supposedly, you know, from what I've read. He knew all about her antics. And It doesn't seem like he, much went on in the company that Vince didn't know about. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- how would he not know about yeah. it? You know, he signs these paychecks. Yeah. And he sets up the system that allows everybody to do that. Mm -hmm. And Moolah was, she was, I didn't research her that well, but Moolah was a titan of the industry. She was the fabulous Moolah. She was amazing. Her and Mae Young, even into their 70s, they were still coming on TV. If I remember correctly, Mae Young was the one who got powerbond by by Bubba Ray Dudley through a table. Yeah, she had a neck brace on, didn't she? Yeah. Wait, yeah. she was wearing a neck brace when she went through the table? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she was 70 years old at that time. Yeah, that was amazing to me. Like, I, That's that actually really impressive. I don't find that to be abusive. I just find that impressive that a 70-year-old woman can do that. I think the time that her and Moolah growing up and going through wrestling, it was a vi- it was even worse. I think it. I think over time things have softened up, but it's always been real bad in wrestling in that terms. I mean, you got people who are dying at thirty, people who are into drugs. I personally saw one wrestler, Larry Sweeney. The first time I saw him, I was like, "This guy's got it." Curly hair. He looked. He came straight out of the seventies. He had the gift of gab. He could really talk. He had it all. He was not the tallest guy, but the wrestling industry was getting away from that. I'm just like, dude, you got it. And then the last time I saw Larry Sweeney, I remember him backstage holding a Coke can and just talking into a brick wall. Wow. And kind of, he had lost a lot of his mass and he was a lot thinner and gone through. He had a bit of a beer belly and he was kind of wandering around confused backstage. And it was really sad because this guy had all the potential in the world. And then whether it was depression or the reality of making peanuts in this industry until you reach to a certain level had really kind of brought him down like it's done to many other pro wrestlers it's not just pro wrestling it's not just entertainment i think if you look at any industry that has a dark underbelly the farther back in time you go the blacker that underbelly gets uh and we're talking about an industry that has been around for 50 years and this episode has been brought to you by your favorite antidepressant (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I say it's that so because. Sad though, yeah. But, but next week we're gonna start getting into one of the stories of kind of the dark underbelly. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, very dark. We're gonna go farther into was it Chris Benoit? Yes, I mean, baby, it's it's like pork belly. There's so much underbelly. It's like pork belly. We're just gonna feast on it. There's just tons of content. And there's so many like the nine degrees of Kevin Bacon, for example. You know that game. Exact six degrees. Six degrees. I thought it was. I personally am five degrees from Kevin Bacon. Oh, really? I am. I'm always five degrees from bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I love 
bacon. But yeah, like you could go into this dark underbelly, like you're saying, and get into Benoit and go straight from that into Eddie Guerrero, into so many. It's endless. I'm trying not to be emotional right now because well, let it out. Chris why, and Eddie were so great. Why and are you trying to not be emotional? Be that emotion. Because that's for next episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. We'll make a Don cry next episode. I, I'm feeling it now. Like, it, it's Benoit was so great, and we just leave it there. We will leave get it into there. it later. We hope you join us next episode. Uh, until then, this has been Mike Ford. Like what? Adan Mateo. Google guy. And we will see you next time. <laughs> Google guy. <laughs> I love it. 